Christmas music. And then in our home, what we do is we go ahead right the day after Thanksgiving. Um, we don't do Black Friday. I mean, I, I do it. I've done it before. It's really fun, and uh, you have to be courageous to get out there. But we like to put the Christmas tree up. We like to start playing our music at time, and one of the traditions that we have as a family is we string popcorn. Uh, and the older the kids get, the more I love it because the faster it becomes. And we see how many uh, uh, pricks we get in our fingers because it, it is hard um, to string popcorn. And then we put it on the Christmas tree and we work as hard as we can to light that thing up. And then we wait for December 1st when our family, we begin to do what we call, as many of you know, Advent. And we will begin to add, unravel the Christmas story and talk about it. And then the funny part, if you're in a Harris home, is that they get to hear me sing and we sing together. Like, I really feel sorry for Anna Lee that she had to listen to me this morning. But the truth is, is that we sing these songs and we talk about it and we are creating a tradition. We are creating a memories that will last a lifetime for our kids. And we enjoy this season. And so what we're going to do for this season is we are going to go through a series as we are going to pick up songs and we're going to talk about the song. So if you didn't get it this morning, Joy to the World is going to be a song that we look at this morning and we talk about it. And I really think in a way we're fooled with when it comes to Joy to the World. Because you would think that it's a Christmas song, right? That's the only time we sing it. But the truth is, it's not a Christmas song. Now we think as it, as it is, because you will see, and I'll look at the verses, it's like almost, I'm going to use it as a text this morning, and we'll look at it later, but it says, For heaven and nature sing. And it says, Different things in it, let earth receive her king. Every heart prepare him room. It's all about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so it's ironic that we sing joy to the world as we do. And so I'm wondering if it's when it's played out on the radio and people are singing it at schools and different things, if they really realize what we're singing and why we're singing it. And you see, today is going to be the first week of Advent, as I said, in many churches. And one of the key ingredients for the first week of Advent is hope. And if you think about it, we do, we thank God that He sent His Son in flesh. But we are more thankful that He is coming again to grab His children. And for us to be with Him again forever and eternity. And so I want you to think about it this way this morning. There is no Easter without Christmas, but there is no Christmas without Easter. You see, if the Easter didn't happen, if the resurrection, the death and the resurrection did not happen, we wouldn't be celebrating this glorious day on December 25th. And the truth of the matter is, is we know and we realize that that may not be the time that Christ was born. It doesn't matter. That's not what it's about. That's not what the date is about. It is about celebrating that Christ had come, God in flesh, to dwell among us. And so we, we often think of this cute little baby in the manger, and it is cute, and it does warm my heart, but it is so much more. 
And so this morning as we get into the text, I'm going to be going all over, really from the beginning to the end this morning, and talking about the ramifications of Christ's coming and why it was so important. And you see, all creation is growing, groaning. So I'm going to have three points as always this morning. First is all creation is growing, groaning. The second is the light has shined in our darkness. And the third is Christmas brings hope. And so as we think about it this morning, what was the tragedy that we saw this week? We saw that in Alaska, it didn't really get a lot of coverage, but in Alaska, roads were torn up. Literally, cars were stranded in the middle of these highways that were broken up, and nothing could be done. The earthquakes came with almost like a thief in the night, and no warning, it just came, and lives were disrupted. And I think lives were lost, am I correct? I think I heard that. No, I don't know. I was surprised at how much it wasn't in the news. So I don't know if life was lost, but there's something to be said, and we don't always understand why sometimes there is chaos in our world today. And you see, we realize that creation, through Scripture, we realize that creation is subject to a curse. And so if you turn your Bibles, and I promise you I will set my timer this morning, and I will see if I keep to it. So I will go as fast as I can this morning. But we're going to go to Romans 8, and I didn't expect to be in Romans 8 again, although we covered it last week. But I want to read a portion of Scripture that I kind of just glanced and went really quick over, but it has such ramifications for us today. And as I talk to our youth and our youth group, oftentimes as I want to explain to them, like, why do we have evil in the world? And why does a loving God allow uh, bad things to happen to good people? And I think we need to understand because these are questions that the world is asking. If you have a God that is in control of all things, as Anna Lee declared this morning, then why are these things happening? And we need to be able to give people an answer. And so as I talk to them about it, I, and I say this to you, that it was not meant to be this way. And when I'm at funerals and I'm doing those things for people, I often, we start with that and say, this was not meant to be. Death was not part of the equation, but we find ourselves having to deal with death and destruction. So let's read. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation is eagerly, the, for the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subject to futility. And this word futility, I just want to explain it just real briefly, could be depravity is that the heart of man is depraved, and everything about the heart of man is sick and wicked, according to the Bible. So no matter how good people feel they are this morning or in their lives, it doesn't matter outside of Christ. Because all hearts find their destiny here. 
So it says the creation was subjected to futility, depravity, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope. Because who hopes for what he sees? Now if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. And I have to admit to you this morning as I talk about these scriptures and I get winded as I'm reading through it, sometimes it becomes confusing. But the point is, if, if, if hope is realized, then it is no longer hope. It's just like a child on Christmas morning. They're hoping that when they, and I, and I guess I'm still childlike, I'm hoping that when I unravel this gift, that it will be something of use and something I like. And I'm unraveling a gift. And we can all go back, no matter what our childhood was like, if it was good or bad, we can remember what it was like to wait for Santa to show up on Christmas Eve and then Sunday morning being surprised by the gifts under the tree. That is what creation is now longing for, is an unraveling of a brand new kingdom. And creation is groaning. So I often wonder, like, why is there tsunamis? Why is there hurricanes? Why is there floods? Why is there death and destruction? It is because the world is sick. If you look at Scripture, it says that if my people would humble themselves and pray that I would heal their land, And there's something behind that scripture than just if they would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. But it shows us that the creation, because of the sinfulness of man, is undone. And so we wonder why creation is groaning. And we often wonder, is God judging a whole nation when He wiped out almost a whole city's in the tsunami in Southeast Asia. You wonder why these things happen, and we often question, was this God's judgment? Was He bringing it on the people? And and we don't always have an answer. But could it be that He is? It very well can be. But either way, it's because the earth is sick. And the scripture says that even creation is waiting for us and our redemption so that it could be made brand new. And you see, so when we're singing this song this morning, joy to the world, heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature will sing at the redemption of mankind. And we know in Genesis chapter 3, and you can go there, and I'm just going to go fast, so I'll read it. 
and you can jot it down as a reference, but it says the ground is cursed because of you. First of all, I want to say this, and I don't want to pass this up just for that opportunity for my great humor. It says in verse 17 of chapter 3 of Genesis, And he said to the man, Because you listened to your wife, And ate from the tree. Now there's our rule number one this morning, guys. Don't listen to your wives. Um, Joke. I am not a good jokester, but I just had to put that in there because we have fun at church. Yes. See? See? Um, And ate from the tree which I commanded you. Do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. Then you will eat. From it, by the means of painful labor, all the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And so is it any surprise that our earth is undone, and that we have tragedy and different things that happen? And Jesus says this in Mark 13, verse 8, For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and there will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pains. And if you've seen and experienced childbirth, you know that there's great groaning. I have bruises to prove it. That there is a groaning that happens, but once that child is conceived, the pain, all of a sudden, for some reason, the pain, there's still some mending that has to happen within the body. But there's this glorious thing that happens as you're holding your baby, and the pain goes away, and you see creation is saying, Come, Lord Jesus, come! Take the pain away. Redeem your son's God that are waiting for adoption. And then point number two, and I'm going to go quick and allow the Word to speak for itself. A light has shined in our darkness. And so this morning I realize that you may not like the dark setting. You may not even be able to read your Bible this morning, and I understand that. But there's something to me that is glorious about lights on a tree. And this morning, my hope for you is that you look and you think about Christmas different this year. Is that when you see the lights in the community, in the background of this beautiful snow tonight, and you see the tree that maybe is in your living room or wherever it may be, I want you to know that there's a light that has shined in our darkness and the darkness will never again overcome the light. And in the midst of that, I want to say thank you to Marcia and Sally for working so hard at decorating. Thank you for doing that. I'm almost wondering when Santa is going to pop out. (laughs) Just kidding. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 9. And this is something we read, but this is deep. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned in those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. 
For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders and the staff of their oppressors, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulder. He will be named Wonderful Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The, the, The dominion will be vast and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. And you see, if we look at the context of the Scripture, the Scripture has already been done and fulfilled in some ways, but it points to a greater day. It points to a day that there will be a king that takes authority and all authority in his kingdom rule and reign will never end again. It will be forever. And if we look around us, that hasn't quite taken place. If we look the world and Jesus reminds us that there will be wars, rumors of wars, but that's just the beginning of great pain. But you see, the Scripture promises us that, a dark, that the darkness came and is here, but the light has shined. And it's funny, if you know anything about the Chronicles of Narnia, it talks about Santa Claus coming, and that there, winter without Christmas is dreadful. Why? Because Christmas brings us hope in the midst of our winter. And you see, I want to talk about this little baby just for a moment. This baby came when there was a 400 year of silence. And you see, the children of Israel were hoping that their Messiah would come. And when He did come, He was going to establish His kingdom here on this earth. And He was going to rule and reign forever. But they were greatly disappointed in this baby. But still the baby came and it began a breakthrough in the kingdom of God. You see, I want to talk just a moment about one of my favorite subjects and that is the breaking through of the kingdom of God. You see, from the time of the fall, God has been on a mission. God has been working something where He is wanting to establish His kingdom and His throne forever And so he sent someone, his own son, Emmanuel, to come and dwell. And he broke through in our great darkness. And he came. And I want us to liken it something like this. We all know the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And if we put that on the screen, maybe it's on there. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So I want to talk just for a moment about this breakthrough of the kingdom of God through this little baby that was on a manger that was going to come. He was going to die and he was going to raise 
then be raised again for all eternity. And I want to talk about this old but new. And this glorious thing that happens on the day of salvation. If this scripture is true, and I believe it to be true, is we are now experiencing a breakthrough of God's kingdom in our own lives. Why is that? Think about it for a moment. When you came to Christ, and you accepted who He was, something new began to happen in your life. Something new began to change and something new began to happen that the old self, although it wants to come up and rear its head, the old self was then done away with and then something new came. And you see, Christ has come to establish His kingdom. And here's the cool part, is that He is establishing His kingdom, the new kingdom within our hearts right now. And so, although we long for the day that He returns and He calls us home, that is our hope. It has already begun now. So Christmas, in a way, has already started within our winter. Think about that just for a moment. And this earth will pass away. And there's something new that is coming. So if you think about it, Christmas is just the beginning. What we celebrate, the birth of Christ, it is just the beginning of something that is coming that is greater than what we see now. And this is where I'll just throw this out. This is the already but not yet. The work has been done on the cross. That is the reason that we see some people get healed. But yet the the not yet is that some people don't. And see, we hold on to the truth and the tension that Christ has come and He's brought His kingdom, but it has not been consummated yet. And the inauguration is just beginning. What happens at a presidential inauguration is you have a switching of power and a switching of authority. And when Christ returns, death, the last enemy will be done away with. The inaugural kingdom will be forever and on for all eternity. And that's why we can rejoice in Isaiah 6, that the government, or Isaiah 9, that the government will rest on His shoulders and He will take off our oppression and He will do something new. So let's go to the third point this morning. Christmas brings hope. And so I want to look real quick to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. And this is just the beginning, as I said, and I'll keep saying that. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. 
I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and He will live with them. They will be His peoples, and God Himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. That's what Christmas has begun for us. And you see this morning, I'm not real for sure what's going on in your heart. And I know even for some people that Christmas will be a hard time through life and just different circumstances. But this is our hope. That all our hardships, all our hard times that we have gone through will be done away with. It will be rectified by the King and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's where, in my opinion, it gets a little Narnia honest and a little freakish. If you go to... Uh, Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 9. And this is what we have to look forward to. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leper, the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the young lion and the fattened calf, calf will be together. And a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. The young ones will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like cattle. An infant will play beside the cobra's pit. That will not be me. But anyway. And a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den. They will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain, for the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with the water. That is what is coming for those who choose to accept Christ. And this little baby in the manger. And I grew up with a healthy fear of snakes because down south we have uh, cotton mouths and copper heads and you didn't want to be around them and so that's why I will never be by a snake in, in heaven maybe. maybe I will be but there's something new that has began and so if you would turn in your hymnals and I'll end here and man I've done really well uh I hope that we can look at this song totally different. And I want to give you a little background real quick. Is that Isaac Watts wrote this hymnal. And, and it's interesting as I was reading about the story of joy to the world. It actually is from Psalm 98. And it starts at verse 4 in his own interpretation and it's interesting because I just want to give you a brief history of Isaac Watts. We all know who he is, but he actually created songs because he was very dissatisfied with the singing in church of his day. 
because they did psalms and, and, uh, and uh, scriptures. They sang them and he said, man, this is boring and monotonous. And so his dad gave him a challenge, then you do something about it. And he took his dad's challenge and he began a hymn writer and rewriting songs. And so those people that give us headaches, such as Isaac Watts, is we don't know what God has in store for the beauty of the kingdom. And he was actually, at times, was put to the side as a heretic because of his lyrics and different things. But he wrote this song of the interpretation but it all is pointing to the second coming of Jesus Christ. So let's look at it real quick. I won't sing it for you, I promise. But it says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Do you get it? Heaven and nature will be singing at the coming of Christ the second time. And then it goes on to say, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Again, here comes nature into the song. While fields and floods, rocks and hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Verse 3 goes on, No more let sins and sorrows grow. Nor thins or nor, nor thorns invest, infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Number four, the verses say this it says, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. In wonders of His love. In wonders of His love. So I want to challenge you this morning as the worship team comes. And we will partake communion. And ask yourself, is this song appropriate to sing during the holidays? I think it is. Because I think there's truth on both parts. Is let every heart prepare him room. You see, a great light has shone into this dark world. And I don't care. I care. I say I don't care and I always get challenged with that. I do care. But I really am not concerned about the, what the world says about my future. I am more concerned about what the Bible says about my future. And it says, those who are in Christ will one day be with Him for eternity. And so as you sing this song, maybe you, you sing, because honestly, we will probably get together with our family, and we may not really talk about Christ, because as I was talking about this, and maybe I'll edit this out so my family doesn't hear it, I, I've never been involved with a family that, I, they're indifferent to Christ, but are, Antichrist. And so I can imagine that many people will be singing this song, Joy to the World, this year with no clue. But I want you to have a clue. 
And when you're singing this song, I want you to truly rejoice, no matter where you are. And I hope you say, Lord Jesus, come and come quickly. And I'm longing for the day that you return. So my prayer for us today is that by Christmas morning, that we will not only be celebrating God coming in flesh, but also that He is coming again. And just as we look at anticipation, unveiling our presence on Christmas morning, may we also look to the future for the unraveling of a future kingdom that is eternal. And so this morning as we get ready to do communion together, I hope you were encouraged. I pray that you were encouraged. But as we get ready to receive communion, I want to say a couple of things about communion this morning. Is that we have open communion here. What does that mean? It means that if you are in Christ, you are a brother and sister with us and that we desire for you to partake with us. But I also want to give a a stern warning, and I don't always do this. But you see, this morning I talked about accepting the claims of Christ. And what do I mean by accepting? You see, it's not that we choose Him to come and live in our lives as we've often prayed, but it's really acknowledging that He is who He says He is, and that God sent His only Son to to redeem us from our sin. And so this morning, I just want to challenge you, if you are here this morning and you have not accepted these claims, that don't partake. And I say this with a loving heart and for your own good. Nobody will judge you. We're not here. This church, I just want you to know, this church is not a judging church. We are an imperfect church looking at a perfect Savior. But as we take this communion this morning, I want you to be mindful that we are celebrating a kingdom and a Christ who will return and will take His children home. So again, this Christmas is just the beginning.